In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about building lightsabers, Hayden Christensen's acting abilities, Chewbacca sounds, and R2-D2 beep boops in our discussion of Ahsoka by E.K. Johnston. Gosh, those are the worst Chewbacca sounds that have ever come out of human throats. Hey everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. Stop holding up Chewbacca, you're ruining things. (laughs) And I'm Claire. (laughs) And today we're going to discuss Ahsoka by E.K. Johnston. Standard disclaimer, if you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book. Then come back. If you haven't done this before, <laughs> but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. I started in my head, I was trying to think of a way to throw in Chewbacca, and then I got my words mixed up in my head, and then it was just downhill from there. And I'm sitting here all innocent with my Chewbacca. <laughs> Then And then I was thinking that I just wanted, like, I wish that I could make the Chewbacca sound, because if I could, then I would have said, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care, care about any of that, then Chewbacca sound, but I also, yeah, I also thought about that while I was saying all that out loud, so, yeah, sorry, everyone. You can edit that in. <sighs> Maybe I will. Maybe I will. <laughs> or maybe I'll just leave it just like this, and it's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. I, I apologize now if I accidentally press his voice box. I will attempt not to because it is quite it is a robust one. Do you need to give it a good squeeze? And my lightsaber's down and the other one is on the shelf. So we're good. Okay. It's not the squeeze like last week. We're not getting back into that conversation. It's inappropriate. <laughs> oh. So it's a new month. <laughs> May the force be with you. It's really good. Sorry. Not sorry. I know you're not sorry. I don't know if we're gonna make excited. it through this episode. We will. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I feel like we should start out. There should be like another disclaimer at the beginning of this. We both love Star Wars. Yes. But you love Star Wars approximately 12 times more than I do. Yes. But we both love it. Yes. But you just love it more. Potentially. Yes. Yes. Did you ever see the Ewoks cartoon when you were little? No. Oh. It was an Ewoks cartoon, and there was a, a like a, a shaman wizard Ewok, and I used to know all his magic spells. That's fun. I was five. That's, I like I don't that. remember them now. No. No, I didn't watch that. I watched the real Ghostbusters. Yes, I watched that as well. Yeah. Visionaries, Thundercats. Thundercats. Transformers. Ninja Turtles. Yes. X-Men. Of course. 
but mood but vibe back discussion it's very yeah. british it's excessively british yeah yeah anyway yeah biking mice from mars cities of gold i don't know that yeah. one dog tanyan and the musker hounds you're just saying <laughs> sounds those aren't even words <laughs> Inspector Gadget. I didn't like Inspector Gadget. It was kind of weird. I watched a lot of it, but... We used to watch it in French class. Yeah. In French, obviously. (laughs) You just watched it in English. (laughs) In French class. Your teacher checked out. I wouldn't put it past how my French teacher, to be fair. (laughs) Au revoir. Here's Inspector Gadget. Hey, I didn't have the worst French accent my French teacher had ever heard in nothing. <laughs> anyway, that's not what we're talking about today. No. Do you have background information about Star Wars? Bah, I do. Bah, bah, bah. I do. I do. I read a transcript from a panel at Salt Lake Comic Con from 2016. And mm-hmm. the panel is called Star Wars Books, Writing the Force. Featuring E.K. Johnston, Christy Golden, Cecil Castellucci, and Matt Martin, who have all written a plethora of Star Wars books. And I would hope so. Otherwise, why, <laughs> why are the they there? Um, so the authors <laughs> were asked, what are some of the influences on your writing? Other writers? And Cecil Castellucci answered, for Star Wars or for my writing in general? Because for my writing in general, my influence is Star Wars. But then E.K. Johnston says, This was something that was weird about writing the Ahsoka book. It's my only book that doesn't have Star Wars references. <laughs> then she says, The number of times I typed out, That's not how the Force works, and then erased it, was in the double digits. <laughs> <laughs> so, clearly, she's a fan. There was also some talk about how, like, how she was able to write the characters, and she talked about how she really likes writing fan fiction, and now this is weird because it's mm-hmm. canon, and there was a whole lot. There was, there were a lot of good interviews about this book. Cool. Yeah, I remember when it came out, everybody was like, "Oh my god, a sort of is going out on book," because you know she is, she, she's not in the movies at all. She is a creation. Of Clone Wars, mm-hmm. but she just took off. Yeah, and now she's in Mandalorian. Yeah. So Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka is amazing. amazing. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited. Is that your initial thoughts? That you're very excited? Yeah. It was going to be. I thought you were going to squeeze Chewbacca again. That's your initial thought. Can that be my initial thought? Good. I'm putting it down. Thank you for that. Chewbacca can be your initial thought if you want. Thanks. I appreciate it. (laughs) Glad you're not even making him make his own noises. You are making the noises now. (sighs) It goes on for too long. <laughs> oh my god, we're terrible doing Chewbacca. Stop it. It's the worst thing that's ever happened. <laughs> Let the Wookiee win. 
Can we start the summary? <laughs> I'm just going to start it. start the episode you, again. Yeah, well, we probably should. <laughs> you do whatever you want to do. I'm going to start reading the summary, okay? Okay. We start with a flashback. Mandalore burns around them as Ahsoka Tano and Darth Maul face off against each other. Though she is no longer Jedi Padawan to Anakin Skywalker, Ahsoka remembers her teachings. Ahsoka remains calm, her plan set. Darth Maul raises and activates his lightsaber swiftly moving forward. The time to exchange barbs is over. The familiar hum of her own lightsabers ring in her ears as Maul lunges forward. As they lock weapons, Ahsoka's unseen allies spring the trap. Ahsoka throws herself clear as the ray shield comes to life, trapping Maul. <laughs> I'm so glad I put my hand up. She just held up Darth Maul, everyone, while I was reading. I had to hide what she was doing. And then I pulled my hand I down. Turned the volume, I turned my volume off so you wouldn't hear me messing around. Yep, yep. I put my hand down and it was just Darth Maul's face, so... <laughs> Since leaving the Jedi Temple, Ahsoka has been on her own, but she knew the Jedi was still out there through the ebb and flow of the Force. When Order 66 was enacted, she knew she was alone. Now Ahsoka lives in solitude as Ashla on the outer rim planet of the Beska. It's Empire Day, the one-year anniversary commemorating the establishment of order and government by Emperor Palpatine. Boom! This is not a celebration for Ahsoka. There is a call from outside Ashla's home. Some neighbour children are calling out to her. The Fardies, a local family with fingers in all sorts of businesses, took her under their wing. Today, the children have come with a warning. Their father is hosting a fancy guest, and any new people are to come and meet them. Hmm. Another points out that there are a lot of ships in the shipyard for the celebratory flyby, and security, it's a disaster. Promising to see them after she has freshened up, Ahsoka gathers her meagre belongings and her blaster and heads to a conveniently placed out-of-the-way Fardis ship, avoiding the stormtrooper patrols on the way. Soon, she is off-planet. The moon of Raeda is out of the way by Outer Rim standards, and somewhere Ahsoka can be unremarkable. The moon is green and growing, a contrast to the dust of the Beska. And the settlement was so small it seemed to barely exist. Walking through, Ahsoka notes that there doesn't seem to be a lot of transients and the homes look well established. Heading to the outskirts, Ahsoka finds a few abandoned houses and, as she's looking at one that seems more sound than the others, she meets Caden. Their initial conversation is somewhat wary, but not unfriendly, which is understandable since, you know, they're strangers. Ahsoka tells her she is here to set up a shop as a mechanic. Caden will spread the word and encourages the mechanic to take the house. The next day, as Ahsoka is meditating, a rare luxury, Caden returns with a thresher that needs to be fixed. She got into a fight with it, and though she may have come off worse with the wound on her leg, Caden insists she has the moral victory. Ahsoka fixes it in exchange for creator food, and they talk about Raider. It's a harvest season on the quiet farming moon, and the Empire doesn't have any presence there. Throughout their discussion, Ahsoka avoids talking about herself, though she has a cover story ready. After finishing the repair, Ahsoka heads back to her ship to see what supplies she has of her own. It seems she'll need them. The next day, Ahsoka heads out to explore the area. 
she needs to set up an emergency fallback point. Walking through the hills, Ahsoka falls into her memories and it becomes hard to breathe. She remembers her time as Anakin Skywalker's Padawan, Master Obi-Wan, and the clone troopers. After Order 66 was carried out, it felt like a huge void was created in the Force. Ahsoka finds a suitable cave and starts to hide some of the scrap metal from the Thresher repair. This will do for a start. Back in the fields, Cadence Thresher is working as if it were brand new, and people are starting to notice. Tibola, one of the older farmers and a mean drunk, says he'll stop by with his own Thresher to be fixed. Miara, Cadence's sister, is curious over the newcomer and so is Vartan, their crew leader. Twins, Nira and Horbin, and Mallet. They encourage Caden to ask the newcomer to sell this cantina that night for dinner, and she accepts. The cantina is incredibly loud and crammed full of people, with the exception of Tabola, who she met earlier that afternoon. Ahsoka meets Caden's crew and introduces herself as Ashla. They are all welcoming and friendly. Selda, the cantina's namesake, owner, bartender, and fellow Togruta, comes over and quietly checks that Ahsoka is set up okay and hasn't encountered any problems on one of the core worlds since the Empire are notoriously unsympathetic to non-humans. The Empire are a racist, in other words. Ah, uh, yeah. Ahsoka thanks him and assures him she is fine. Meanwhile, Jenneth Pilar is looking at the lights on a star chart. He works for the Empire, ensuring the pathways of supply by pointing the Imperial military at a planet and taking what they want. At the moment, he needs a planet that could be used for food production, preferably with a small population that no one would miss. Raida suits his needs perfectly. Flashback. Ahsoka stands over the grave of Rex, the clone trooper she saved which had allowed Darth Maul to escape. The grave is fake. Rex has disappeared in the outer rim, and so will she. As she turns to go, Ahsoka takes out her lightsabers given to her by her former master and turns them on one last time. Extinguishing the energy, Ahsoka plants the hills into the dirt and leaves. Ahsoka falls into the rhythm of Raeda and has been accepted by the settlement. During the day, she either works on repairs or goes exploring. Today, she needs to run. Gathering her things and more pieces to hide in her fallback cave, Ahsoka heads out. All the way, she has felt out of balance, so at the cave, she takes the time to meditate. Connecting deeply to the planet, Ahsoka feels something in the air. Her consciousness races back and she can feel the stone of the cave vibrating. Looking out the mouth of the cave, Ahsoka sees an Imperial Star Destroyer dwarfing the settlement. The Empire has arrived. Walking slowly back through the settlement, Ahsoka heads to the cantina rather than home while watching more Imperial ships land. Once there, Selda nods welcome, but there is also something else in his look, so Ahsoka takes a bar stool rather than usual table in the back. While she waits for Kid and the crew to arrive, Ahsoka listens to the themes being tossed around until a couple of Imperial officers and stormtroopers come. The officers sit nursing a drink while the troopers stand guard. Kid and her crew come in, and Ahsoka takes that as an opportunity to leave. As they play a game of Crokin, which will allow conversation, Ahsoka asks if any are clone troopers, and her friends think not. This is somewhat good news, as it will help Ahsoka keep her identity secret. They also discuss the reason why the Empire has suddenly turned up on their moon, and there's really only one commodity. Food. Ahsoka mentions that it may be a good plan to start hiding ration packs. A third officer of high rank comes into the cantina, offers a disgusted glare at the masses, and pins a notice to the door before leaving. 
the other officers and troopers going with him. Salda reads the notice first, then Ahsoka takes a look. It's all tactics meant to oppress the people, such as shortening cantina hours, restricting food, and limiting gathering numbers. Ahsoka's mind races, recalling her military background. Raeda doesn't have much of anything to fight with, so hopefully the Empire will take what they want and go. But that isn't likely. No. The next morning, two stormtroopers knock on Ahsoka's door, questioning why she isn't in the fields and threatening reassignment there. With a little mental nudge using the Force, Ahsoka is able to dissuade them of that idea. Next, she plans to secure more rations and parts in her cave and find somewhere to hide her ship. It's tense walking through the settlement and out to the hills. Typically, it's quiet as most are in the fields, but today it's eerie. Ahsoka is quick enough to store her treasures, but it takes a while to find a suitable hiding spot for her ship. Ahsoka finds a gully that will do, though her ship may protest being sideways and she wishes she had R2-D2 to help navigate it in. But she's on her own. Back at the settlement, she sees a few of the settlers and the troopers constructing an admin building now that the Star Destroyer is no longer in the atmosphere. Heading to the spaceport, Ahsoka is able to bamboozle the guard there, who is so new he's practically green, and retrieve her ship. She was right. R2-D2 would have made it easier. And the ship really doesn't like being sideways. (laughs) Ahsoka is late getting back to the cantina, so Caden and the crew are already there, with the exception of Malat, who is taking her family and leaving. The rest are playing a game of Kroken, which doesn't resemble any known variant of the game, and the pieces look awfully similar to the settlement layout. With a quick movement as she sits, Ahsoka upsets the pieces and warns them against such blatant planning. Just then, some Imperial officers enter, dislodge the customers from the barstools, and effectively cut Zelda off from his customers. This upsets Tabola, who is already very drunk, and starts to throw his fists. The officers order the troopers, who forcefully put Tabola on the floor, before one of them pulls out a blaster and shoots him at point-blank range, killing him. My goodness. I mean, the guy was a jerk, but I don't think he deserved that. Yeah! Sheesh! Sheesh. Vartan and the twins take Tabola's body for burial while Miara and Caitlin stay behind. Miara vomiting in a bowl at the sight, which, yeah, I'm with you there. Reasonable. Ahsoka warns them they need to be quiet and to sit tight. If they go blaster blazing or exploding things, they are not going to accomplish anything but their own deaths. Caitlin tells her that word in the fields is that the Imperials are bringing their own seed for which Riada will receive nothing of. Ahsoka tells them they need to slow production and tells Vartan and the other crew leads to arrange the particulars, but that will only buy them time. Meanwhile, she'll slow down her repairs and slacken off on the quality. As curfew draws in, they head home. Before she leaves the cantina, Zelda gives Ahsoka a box of leftover food. One week becomes two, and Ahsoka continues to explore the hills and finds a network suitable to set up as a safe house. It wasn't obvious at first, but Vartan and the other crew leads have worked out what the crop is that they are being forced to grow. It's a plant that provides the basic nutrition rations the Imperial Army survives on, and growing it on Raeda will leave the soil infertile. It's really kind of them. In the cantina one evening, Ahsoka tells Vartan's crew about the caves. The crew are a little shocked by her forward thinking and secret plans. 
Ahsoka asks to use Caden and Miara to help build some little surprises for the Imperial Army, which will hit them hard. After Ahsoka leaves, Hoban tells Miara that she should also build some explosives with more firepower in case they need them. And Ahsoka doesn't need to know because she's not from around here. Ugh. Ugh. Meanwhile, Jenneth Pilar has been running the numbers again for the operation. He never took the hills into account in his calculations. Hmm. 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 Flashback time. Ahsoka is on Thabeska and found some sort of sanctuary with her father's family. One day, the daughters are playing where they shouldn't be and are nearly crushed by falling crates. Ahsoka used her force powers to move the crates away. The girls didn't seem to notice. Well, all except one. Very young Hadala. Ahsoka later saw Hadala playing with a stone without touching it. <gasps> Gasp! For the next couple of days, excuses are made for Caden and Miara missing work in the fields while they hold up in the caves as Miara makes the corrosive bombs Ahsoka asked for, the explosives she didn't, and set the cave up to be able to take more people if needed. Ahsoka also moves her stash into this network, including her bag of scrap, the contents of which is beginning to take shape in her mind. Hmm, I Ooh. wonder what she's gonna build with her scrap metal. Meanwhile, in the fields, Varden is recruiting farmers to their rebellion, and Hoban is busy with his own plans. Mm. 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 Ahsoka leads a stealthy mission to disable the Imperial walkers, using Miara's corrosive bombs to buck buckle them at the knee joints. It's a good old plan, isn't it? It really is. It really is. <laughs> it's classic. Mm -hmm. It all goes well until Miara hands Ahsoka an explosive charge and Ahsoka realises there is a secondary plan. When her small group rendezvous at Zelda's, Ahsoka finds out that Hoban, Caden and some of the others have gone to blow up the admin building without considering the consequences. The barracks will empty when the alarm is sounded for the broken walkers and the troopers will receive their orders at the admin building. Smart. Yeah. Ahsoka tells those congregated in Selders to disavow any knowledge and to head home, while she, followed by Miara, heads back to the Imperial compound. While Nira and Miara help funnel their people out into the caves, Ahsoka goes to the front in the thickest fighting. It's not pretty. There are explosions, blaster fire, and tank fire everywhere, and Ahsoka badly wishes she had her lightsabers. The fighting is over quickly, with many injured and killed, including Hoban, who was ripped apart at close range by a barrage of blaster fire. Ooh. Ahsoka even reveals her force powers as she lets it flow through her to push the Imperial firing line back. Once Ahsoka is sure the last of the Ra'eda people have gotten out, she makes her way to the cave, where Caden and the others are waiting to find out exactly who Ahsoka is. Meanwhile, Jenneth Pilar has new calculations to make and a report to send, notifying command of a force user on Raeda. But you know he liked getting his calculator. Oh back my out. god, yes. He's the type who has a pocket protector. Oh, he does. Ahsoka tells Caden and Miara her real name and that she couldn't tell them because, you know, Jedi. Even former Jedi are being hunted. It's not safe for anyone. This does not placate them. In fact, it makes Caden even madder and she goes stomping off back to the settlement only to be caught by the Imperials. Damn. 
Caden realises her mistake straight away and the torture she endures convinces her she really made a bad decision in leaving the cave. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. The first imperial torturer fixes a device to her chest and the pain it causes is unbearable. After she's medicated and a second torturer comes in to question and threaten her, at one point she, along with the chair she's tied to, falls over at an awkward angle, breaking her arm. The Imperial just keeps asking questions. Oh. Eventually, they leave her alone, but with the threat of more pain to come. Oh. Stealthily, and with some force powers, Ahsoka is able to locate Caden in the administration building and extract her through the window. Slowly, they make their way back to the caves. Ahsoka instructs Caden to lay low and keep hidden with the others. She says she needs to leave Raida for everyone's safety. But she'll be back. She'll be back. <laughs> Wrong franchise. Damn. <laughs> Bill Organa is buried in bureaucracy and secrets. As well as being the senator for Alderaan, Bill is a key member for the resistance. Making sure his daughter is distracted by the fish tank <laughs> he had installed in his office, Bill looks over an encoded dossier. On a little moon in the outer rim, Jedi activity has been confirmed. Could there be a survivor? <gasps> he needs to contact Captain Antilles and discuss this with his wife. Meanwhile, Sixth Brother is bored. All the Fardy children look the same and being stuck on Thabeska, a dry backwater planet, is <laughs> tedious. When a report comes in of Jedi activity, he quickly makes a bid. The Jedi make better prey. Mm. There aren't a lot of options for places Ahsoka can flee to, so she ends up back on Thabeska. The Fardy's family take her back in and let her live in their house, and she's even able to work as a mechanic for them too. She only explains a little of why she has returned to Chenna, Hadala's older sister, because she can't give her the whole truth. Ahsoka also needs to speak to Hadala and warn the young Fardy of the danger she is in being Force-sensitive, but finding a quiet moment in such a busy household is difficult. It takes five days before Ahsoka has the opportunity. Hadala sensed a shadow that left just before Ahsoka's return, but she made sure to hide from the shadow, and she didn't tell her family about it, as she didn't think they would believe her. This assures Ahsoka somewhat. The girl knows to keep what she is hidden from the darkness. Mm. Tiny, smart little thing. Oh yeah, she's the brains of the operation. Soon, Ahsoka is making deliveries in addition to her mechanic jobs. She knew the Fardy's dealt in smuggling. But what she didn't expect was to see the gratitude in the faces of those she made deliveries to. Eventually, Ahsoka moves on to off-world deliveries and finds that she can help in her own way and coincidentally, air quotes, run into people who need help. Her good work does not go unnoticed. Mm. Sixth Brother is unimpressed by Jenneth Pilar and is quick to dismiss the bureaucrat. He has a bigger quarry. Mm -hmm. Clearly, the Jedi fled Raeda, so Sixth Brother needs to find and torture the insurgents instead. <laughs> Reasonable. It's a happy holiday yeah. today. It should be a neat little trap for the Jedi. On Coruscant, Bail Organa is reading a report of several lucky coincidences. He sends one of his pilots, 
Charty Tage and his longtime co-pilot Tamsin to look for this ringleader of good deeds and contact him once the objective has been secured. Back on Thabeska, stormtroopers are paying the Fardies a visit. The routine search goes without incident, but it seems the Fardies' less-than-legal-resistance activities Ahsoka was an ignorant pawn in is drawing unwanted attention. Ahsoka has to leave. Shock, she has to leave again. Before going to grab her belongings, including the bag of scrap that has grown since she came back to Thabesca, Ahsoka warns the Fardies that Hadala is special, and no one realizes just how special she is. Special. But she's sorry she can't do more to help. Ahsoka flies to a relatively close planet to take inventory and plan her next steps. When she lands, another ship lands next to her. The single pilot in unidentifiable black armour unfolds pilot Ashla. She has come to the attention of Black Sun. Meanwhile, Ariada, sixth brother, is appraised of Caden's appearance and injury, which should mark her out. Crawling up a map of the moon, the Inquisitor starts to look for a place a large group of insurgents could hide. Caden and the others are still hiding in the caves, bored and worried, but still alive. Miara has lost faith that Ahsoka will come back despite her promise, but Caden still has hope. As they are talking, Colvin, who was on sentry duty, comes in reporting a lone figure approaching. It's decided to block some of the side entrances using Miara's charges to lock the cave down. Ahsoka is not interested in Black Sun or their offer of double the fees she received from Fardis. She is especially not interested in the supposed debt for lost earnings she has accrued with them. Why? Why would you... Why? Bloody Black Sun, honestly. Why? Ahsoka runs back onto her ship as the Black Sun agent fires their blaster at her. Taking off, the agent is quick to follow in their sleeker, more predatory ship. They dogfight in the atmosphere until a third ship joins the fray. This one is big and has cannons, too, which are aimed at the Black Sun agent. The agent (laughs) does not stand a chance, but before Ahsoka can jump to light speed, she's caught in a tractor beam. Ah, dang it. On Riada... Miara has closed up some of the entrances to the cave just as the figure reaches the hill. The figure shouts for Caden to come out. Frightened but determined, Caden will go while the others in the cave will go look out holes and blast them. Miara insists on going with her sister, but Nira knocks Miara out. She knows the pain of losing a sibling. Caden exits the cave but no shot finds its mark. The figure uses its force powers to drag out Colvin and choke him all the while using its double-edged red lightsaber to send the bolts back, killing the person who fired. It's a bloodbath. While her ship is being pulled into the cargo hold of the bigger ship, Ahsoka selects a pair of bastons and waits for the hatch to open. Two figures are waiting for her, but she doesn't let them finish their sentences before knocking them out cold. Sneaking through the ship, she heads to the bridge, only to find an old friend. R2-D2! Yay! Yay! The droid beeps happily and fills Ahsoka in as to what is going on. At first, not able to share which senator he works for now, but eventually revealing that it's Bail Organa. 
<laughs> Ahsoka promises that if R2 will release her ship, she'll come in to meet Bale, but it has to be on her terms. R2 agrees. Bale tries not to laugh at Chadru's report. Neither pilot saw the Jedi. R2-D2 has been disabled and the security footage scrubbed. Well, all but one small shot from the engine room, where a pair of Montrals with familiar markings can be seen. Ahsoka Tano lives. Bale realizes R2-D2 knows Ahsoka from her time as Skywalker's Padawan. The little metal devil helped her. Of course he did. <laughs> he understands Ahsoka's caution and feels sure that they will meet soon. <laughs> Very soon, because she's waiting for him when he goes back to his office. <laughs> With the help of R2 hawking a hatch, Ahsoka is able to board Bale's ship in secret. Bale wants to recruit Ahsoka to the Rebellion. He knows what she is capable of and wants her to help fight against the Emperor. Ahsoka feels the credit is ill-deserved given what happened on Riada. Ahsoka will join not to command others, but to find the thing hunting down the children displaying force sensitivity. This aligns perfectly for Bale as he has received reports of a strong Imperial agent on Riada. In the pictures, one is of the grave creature whose face is obscured and the other is Caden. Ahsoka knows it's time she returns to Riada, but not before she rests, eats something and completes one final task. Ahsoka dreams of being on the frozen planet of Ilum, looking for the crystal she would put into her first lightsaber. When she wakes, Ahsoka whispers her thanks to Master Yoda before spilling out the collection of scrap and constructing two new hilts. Surprise, everyone! She's making her lightsabers! <laughs> they are inelegant, but functional. Now, she just needs to find her new crystals. Ooh, I'm so excited. <laughs> Declining Bale's offer of a new ship, which is far too shiny and conspicuous, Ahsoka agrees to having assistance in her upcoming mission and R2-D2's help repairing her ship. Soon, Ahsoka is off to Ilum. When she exits hyperspace, there are two star destroyers and a massive mining ship in orbit, and the planet's surface has been destroyed. Damn. Sneaking away so the Star Destroyer doesn't detect her, Ahsoka finds a quiet place to meditate. As she falls deeper into meditation, she sees the glimmer of her crystals light years away. On Riyadh. <gasps> oh my god! She hears <clears throat> them, they're singing to her. Come to me. Come to us, Ahsoka. Come to us. We're so shiny. Landing on Raeda in the dark, and on the opposite side of the moon, Ahsoka heads back to the settlement on foot. On the way, Ahsoka comes across a lone figure sitting by a fire. It's Miara. Tears spilling, Miara tells Ahsoka about waking up surrounded by her dead friends and neighbors, Caden being captured, and the gray figure. Ahsoka enters another meditation to center herself for the fight to come and locate her crystals. As the sun breaks the horizon, Ahsoka Tano feels whole again. Mm. Oh, it's happening! <laughs> Ahsoka and Miara make it to the settlement without issue. While Ahsoka infiltrates the Imperial compound and rescues Caden, Miara finds Selda and Vartan and helps direct the people out of the settlement. Then Ahsoka walks openly toward the Imperial compound. It isn't long before the shouts of Jedi can be heard. 
The Greer creature speaks from the shadows, mocking and ridiculing the Jedi. This does not affect Ahsoka, who is using the Force to sense his presence. When he jumps from a rooftop, Ahsoka is ready. Their fight is fast and furious. The creature has brute strength, reinforced by body armour, wears a helmet with the face shield up, and wields his double-edged lightsaber. Though Ahsoka doesn't yet have her lightsabers, the Force flows strong and she can read the grey creature's feelings. Stormtroopers line the walls of the street, watching the spectacle. Ahsoka can tell the creature's intention is to overpower her, but she has other ideas. As the creature spins his blades in an impressive, if needlessly showing circle, Ahsoka uses the Force and reaches out for her crystal. The hilt of his lightsaber cracks at Ahsoka's touch, and the light and dark song of the crystal's struggle for balance reaches Ahsoka's ears. The red lightsaber overloads and bursts, leaving the creature in a burned mess on the ground. Kneeling, Ahsoka sifts through the wreckage and finds her crystals. Entering a meditative state while the stormtroopers rally, Ahsoka completes her lightsabers. When she turns them on, they shine the brightest white. As the Imperials' only target, Ahsoka is able to draw their attention and make her way into the compound and to Caden. Ahsoka frees those held in the prison block, directing them to Zelda's. When Ahsoka opens Caden's cell, Caden notes Ahsoka looks more focused and powerful. Caden tells Ahsoka she could kiss her, which comes to a <laughs> shock to Ahsoka, but not to us as we squeeze. <laughs> Helping support Caden, the two head to Zelda's. She's so blind to the thought. <laughs> the cantina is a hive of people. When Miara spots Caden, she throws herself at her sister. But what's next? Ahsoka has arranged for some old friends to help with an evacuation. Outside, people are organised into groups and start heading to the outskirts of the settlement. In the background, the Imperial compound is burning. In the air, air wings, bale scent, start flying in. A few Imperial fighters manage to get into the air, which some of the air wings break off to deal with, and the sight entrances Miara. As evacuation transport ships appear in low orbit, one air wing takes too much damage and the pilot is able to eject, but another wasn't so lucky. The Riada evacuees start to board the ship, but Ahsoka stays on the ground to deal with the Imperial tanks, making short order of the threat using only her lightsabers. Unfortunately, Vartan is hit by one of the tank blasts, alive but badly injured. Ahsoka carries him on board and they take off. Ahsoka breaks into Bale's office again, where no one is shocked. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't use doors. (laughs) The evacuation of Raeda was a success. There were only 15 casualties. Vartan survived and was given a pair of Zelda's prosthetics. Ahsoka tells Bale about the grey creature, how she is sure he wasn't the only one and how he shows some force sensitivity, though it was unrefined. The Raeda refugees are also requesting not to be resettled. Rather, they want to join the rebellion and help in any way that they can. Bale then asks to see Ahsoka's new lightsabers. He's never seen white ones before. Oh, they're so shiny. (laughs) Ahsoka tells him they were red from the corruption by the dark side of the Force, and she freed them. 
They also mm. feel familiar. Ahsoka thinks they were looted from the Jedi Temple. Talk turns to how Ahsoka can help the rebellion. She doesn't want to be a general or a Padawan anymore, but something in the middle. Ahsoka wants to help open channels of communication. Her dealings with the people on Riada and the incident with Chardry show how much it's needed. Ahsoka wants to take care of recruits and find missions, listen to the needs of the people and help them succeed. Bail says that essentially she wants to run the intelligence network, which is perfect as there isn't anyone doing that at the moment. You're hired! Oh, yay! Her code name will be Fulcrum. Meanwhile, on the smoking fields of Raeda, the Grand Inquisitor glares at the ground. The Jedi had done more than anyone expected. He found the body of one of his own kind, and in his pursuit, he won't be so reckless. He knows the value of channeling hate more usefully, and the value of a plan. As he holds the hilt of his lightsaber, he instructs an underling to set course back to base and inform Lord Vader that he has found evidence of another survivor. Ooh. <laughs> Excellent. Exactly. Do you know? Jimmy says we should go for a break. I think that you're right, but I just want to say that when you said exactly Chewy, I thought you said Sacagawea. <laughs> I didn't understand why. Anyway. We definitely need a break. We do. We do need a break. <laughs> Have you ever wondered what Tina Fey has in common with Jonathan Swift? Or how Star Wars is connected to feudal Japan? Or just how pervasive Shakespeare's influence still is? I'm Rhonda. And I'm Erin. And our show Pop DNA explores the literary and historical roots of your favorite pop culture works. Like the Greek mythology and early 20th century feminism echoed in the film Wonder Woman. Or the classic dystopian fiction and real-life political revolutions that informed the Hunger Games. Every month, we bring you a deep-dive discussion of a selected pop culture work. Featuring jokes no one will think are funny and literary references no one asked for. Find us at thepopdna.blog or anywhere you get your podcasts. By the way, Shakespeare is bigger than Disney. Are we back? Are we back from our break? Yeah, why not? <sighs> did you stand out? Moments. Did you love this one? You like Ahsoka. I do like Ahsoka. I like the character of Ahsoka. Um I think it's because the modern day Star Wars, and we've talked about this before, we've talked about it with um, Brie as well, um, that Star Wars is better now because it's got stronger female characters in. Yeah. And Ahsoka is one of them. And I do really enjoy it where a character just take, who's been created specific, for a very specific reason. She was created as Anakin Skywalker's Padawan in the Clone Wars. Uh, series and if in theory that was it then she appeared in Rebels and now she's in the Mandalorian and goodness knows where else it's going to go she may even end up with her own series because it's kind of like the Harley Quinn effect from the Batman animated series She was cre- Harley Quinn was created for that show and now she is a cultural entity in and of mm-hmm. herself and Ahsoka's done that same thing and I freaking love that yeah 
I just I, I love it and it just goes to prove how a strong female character can really just lift itself off the the medium it's been created for and just infuse all over I, the fandom and yeah I, I love that I feel like Ahsoka is a better role model than Harley Quinn <laughs> Yes. Um, <laughs> I would much definitely. rather see tiny children dressed up for Halloween as Ahsoka than as Harley Quinn, especially. I do not like tiny children dressed up as Harley no. Quinn. No, if you're wearing the like the jester costume, Harley Quinn, that's fine, but not, not, not the live action one. No. She's too sexualized no. to be a. To be a tiny girl's hero. Yeah. If you know the background as well, like if you've read any basic Harlequin books, the abuse that she's gone through throughout her life as well yeah. is huge. Yeah. But we're not talking and about But we're not talking about Harlequin right now. We aren't. We're talking about Ahsoka. We are. Um, yeah, I do like Ahsoka. She's just this little I mean, if you if you haven't seen Clone Wars, she starts off as a very young, she is a teenage girl, um, and she does play well with the Anakin with Anakin Skywalker. Um, he's overly serious <laughs> at times uh, and reckless, and she's learning that kind of recklessness. Um, but then you you see her in the Mandalorian and how much she's grown and matured. And I said this just the other night after we watched um, Book of Baba Fett, actually, that whenever you see Ahsoka as an adult, as you know the Rosario Dawson, the live action portrayal, um, she's it's like she's finally gone. Yes, I'm finally at that mature age that a Jedi, former Jedi, can reach. Where I do not have to ask answer the questions, I answer you with a question and make you think about it. It's like, oh damn it, you know. And she's finally reached that stage. <laughs> it's hilarious for me. It, I find that hilarious. But yeah, it's it's nice to see her go from this from the young pad one into this mature character. Yeah. Really enjoy it. Really enjoy it. And throughout this entire book, I've just gone. She's keeping the scrap to make the house. I know. I know. You kept texting me the whole time like, she's going to make her lightsaber. She's going to make her lightsaber. (laughs) When is she going to do it? When is she going to do it? They're on the cover. Let's have them. I know she has dual, she wields dual white lightsabers. Where are they? I need them. She doesn't have them yet. Where are they? Here's the scrap woman. (laughs) All the way through. (laughs) And then when she's like, you cannot hear the word lightsaber or think about people having a lightsaber battle or turning a lightsaber on and not in your head go see now that's something that I enjoyed about the audiobook even though I will say that I did find it distracting but Mm. the audiobook is very cinematic and like is scored by John Williams and there are all sorts of sound effects like r2d2 is there and he's doing his beep boops and you know doors open and like people get slapped and they drop stuff and it's like loud crashes and bangs and explosions and also lightsaber sounds 
So I I enjoyed listening to the audiobook, but as everyone knows, we listen to audio at at least double speed, which many many narrators don't like it when you listen at double speed because you're like, hey, you're you're speeding up my voice. Like, what? Why did I do this? Why did I put so much into it if you're just going to speed it up? But I mean, I I like to read books and I read fast, so I need the audio to match how fast my brain is working. So I have to speed up my audiobooks. But anyway, the the cinematicness of the audiobook mm-hmm. was kind of distracting at some points. But now I'm listening to a book we're going to be covering in a few weeks, Rebel Rising, and it's the same. So I have just determined that all Star Wars audiobooks are cinematic. Interesting. I've never actually listened to um, a Star Wars audiobook, um, but I'm interested to listen to one now to hear the cinema. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. It really, really is. But sometimes it just got to be a little too much. It was a little distracting. And sometimes it was mm. honestly a little too loud. Like I, I remember when we covered the um, Vampire Academy series and all of a sudden they introduced <laughs> random music at random times. Yes. Like, Tense moment, introduce the yeah. music. And we were like, Tinkly what? sound effects happening. Yeah. It, it, made, it was like, oh my God, this is dreadful. And then you got used to it. Yeah. And then it turned funny. Yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm the same as you. I have to listen to double speed and I found I realise it's because it's not just because I can get through an audiobook in half the time, um, but it's the reading speed. It's the same as the reading speed, so it's quite natural. Yeah, I mean I can't I read so quickly, like I can't listen to it very slowly. I just can't do it. It's just it yeah, and I I personally don't think I lose anything in the performance. No, no, of course not. But yeah, I, I'm going to have to listen to it now. Uh, 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 Star Wars audiobook. Yeah. Um, the narrator of this one is Ashley Eckstein. And yes. she did a great job. Like, she voices Ahsoka in The Clone Wars. It was wonderful. It it was amazing. It was amazingly done. But some of the... She has a fantastic... She's got her own company called Her Universe. And the geek stuff. It's not just Star Wars. It, does, it covers a wide spectrum of geek... Um, apparel and it's aimed at majority for female um, purchases yeah. and uh, and there's a lot of unisex as well right. and it's fantastic and I do have some her universe pieces as well That's when fine. I've been in America but a lot of the, the licenses don't send over here mm. so it's a rarity that I've been able to pick up pieces but yes yeah. they are very very fun so she was amazing stellar narration but some of the sound effects professional voice actress so it's good yeah it was amazing but some of the audio like drowned her out a little bit like there was Mm. you know it was nice at the beginning or whenever they're sitting around a crackling fire and there's crackling fire sounds in the background you're like oh that's really cool but then you know it like starts raining and then there's and the narration is going the action scenes as well being quite difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to have to give it a listen. It's interesting. It's not yeah. bad. I should say that. It's not bad. But it's a little bit distracting sometimes. I, I think um, 
considering the wide variety of audiobooks that you do listen to, it's going to stand out. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I'm very interested. I'll have a, I'll have a dive in. Yeah. I just remembered there's two scenes I'm going to highlight as standing standout moments. Well, apart from when she puts her lightsabers on for the first time and I squeal like a little right, girl. Right, that's everyone's head. standout moment. Yeah. Um, Bill Organa, who is Bear's adopted dad, and the fact he has a fish tank in his office to specifically distract Bear. <laughs> to keep her distracted, it's funny. <laughs> Sole purpose is to keep her busy, and she's a, she's like a toddler, yeah. and he's like, "Did she learn to read over the summer?" Hmm. best be safe and tilt his monitor so she can't see what he's reading and she's like she's a toddler she's like three or four or something like that that. um well to be fair if order 66 if it's the one year anniversary of the empire she's like one two because order 66 was enacted like the day after it was like the day before she was born or something like that. Yeah, she's not so, that old. Yeah, she's not that old. She's 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 old enough to be licking the side of the fish tank, which I found absolutely hilarious, <laughs> and then giggling at the octopus inside. <laughs> but what else for me like was when um, Ahsoka and Bill are talking about R two D two and his massive independence streak, <laughs> and it's like, where the heck did he get her from? And Bale's like, oh, well, you know, it's it's Anakin. And Ahsoka's like, no, 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 no. Padme had R2-D2 a lot longer and first. That's where he gets it from. And I'm like, yay! Yay, Padme! Yay! <laughs> that was... And then go on an absolute rant about how Padme and Anakin are a bad relationship. And, and then you start talking about sand and then, then the... you, you can't can't do it anymore yeah um that those things that you were talking about like seeing scenes with bail and then there's also scenes where she's like flashed back thinking about anakin and obi-wan those were my favorite scenes because Mm. like we were talking about i don't know if it was at the beginning of the episode or before we started recording like I don't know a whole lot about Ahsoka. I didn't. I haven't watched Clone Wars, mm-hmm. so I. I mean, I know that she exists, and I knew that she existed before um, she was in the Mandalorian. Like, I know she is a character, and I know she's amazing and does cool things. But I didn't yeah. really have a. I don't really know a lot about her. So when I read these scenes with Anakin and read these scenes with Obi Wan, I'm like, oh yeah, I love these guys because. That's your familiarity. Yeah. That's your exactly. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad those scenes were in because it helps anybody who hasn't seen Clone Wars to contextualize it. Yeah, these Star Wars books should not be reliant on the fact that people have seen all the movies, right, and watched all the TV shows. You should be able to pick them up as a sci-fi reader, yeah, or just a reader, yeah. and enjoy them as is. Yeah, and I could. And I think 
Definitely. Yeah. It's like when we were talking about in every generation, like I, I wasn't a Buffy fan. I mean, the movie, we know this, stop talking about it, Amanda, everyone knows how you feel about Buffy now, but I was able to pick up that book and read it and enjoy it and get into the universe because of that book. So I think if you hadn't mm -hmm. read any Star Wars, you would be able to pick this book up and understand what was going on. Yeah, there are some things that are mentioned in passing that you wouldn't know about unless you've you know, absorb the yeah. entire Star Wars universe, but you could pick it up and read it just fine without knowing anything, any background. Yes, I think it's a, it's a, it's an easy introduction for people. It's an easy read as well. Yes, it's you know, apart from pronunciation of some words, which is you know a given in any sci-fi or fantasy book. Um, it's 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 an easy easy way to access it. Yeah, it wasn't terribly long. Um, no. Um, oh, <laughs> when you said there are some difficult words to pronounce, um, it reminds me of one of the articles that I read for background information. And E.K. Johnston <laughs> said that she went, she's a pantser, so she just sits down and writes and it all comes out. But she went to a cabin without Wi-Fi. And so as she was writing it, she was like, I don't know how to spell that planet. So, like, she was just, like, typing in, you know, that planet that that guy was on. And so she would know to go back and look it up and, like, put the correct spelling of the word in. So, <laughs> I, I thought that was funny. I love that. <laughs> oh, that's tickling. <laughs> oh, Yes. Yes, but as I was saying, it's an easy introduction. I think there are certain things, maybe having having some basic Star Wars knowledge is helpful, like knowing what Order 66 is. If you've not seen the movies, you might not be clear on it. Yeah. And it, it for those who don't know, it is when um, Palpatine um, sent out the order for all the clone, war, clone troopers to kill the Jedi. Is just that's yeah. it. But you can and you then, can glean enough from reading it that you know, oh shit, this is something terrible that happened. That was something bad. Yes. And now there are no Jedi. So what could it have well, been? Like the Jedi do not exist. It's semantics, but it's there. At this point, Obi Wan Kenobi is Ben Kenobi. Yes. Watch out for that on Disney Plus. Um, oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait for that. Um, and, you know, Yoda's out there waiting to train Luke. Yeah. So they are there. And there'll be people like Ahsoka who were not members of the Jedi Order when Order 66 was enacted. And there's mention of Rex. Mm -hmm. And Rex is one of the clone troopers. Mm. Um, in you might not get that from the book quite clearly, but, you know, the fact that he didn't um, actually carry out Order 66 is huge. <laughs> so, you know, it's there. Yeah. And I do quite like the fact that there's these little bits and pieces. The fact that she was fighting Darth Maul, and Darth Maul was, you know, in The Phantom Menace, mm -hmm. which is the first movie, mm -hmm. so... You're kind of like, hang on, I've seen the movies, but I might not have seen Clone Troopers or Rebels, um, or any of the other movies. You might not have seen Solo. Yeah. 
and gone, hang on. Hang on a minute. He's back. I thought he was dead. <laughs> he is, depending on where you are in the timeline. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm just glad Darth Maul had something a bit more to do, because, you know, he was undersold in The Phantom Menace. He, one of many issues with that, that the original trilogy, like the first three episodes. But that's a story for another Another, another 80 episodes. Um. <laughs> Settle in, listeners. I have some words. Can I tell you that I really enjoyed how surprisingly violent it was sometimes? Yes, completely because I agree. Completely out of nowhere. You know, like, oh, yeah, stuff's happening. Oh, they're in the cantina. Oh, that guy got shot point blank. Tabol is dead. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he was an asshole, but point blank, that. dead. And then Hoban being hit with so many blaster blasters that he was just exploded. Mm-hmm. And then Colvin being lightsabered in half, like, whoa, while all the blasts are going back and killing everyone else around him. And he's just like, whoom. And there he is. He's in two pieces. And Yara's like, oh, when she finds out that all of her friends are dead. Like, oh, they're all dead. Everybody I know and love is dead. That is going to mess you up with yeah. you to that you are going to be messed up for life but can i tell you something that i just only thought about just a few moments ago that i also Mm. really enjoy that who was it um what's his name um the guy with the v name what's his name vartan vartan has prosthetic limbs now because it's not a star wars anything if somebody doesn't get an arm or a leg cut off Oh, exactly. And the fact that Zelda already had most of his yeah, like right half. Yes. And they the, the made a matching pair in the end. Yeah. yeah. That was cute. But I really I really appreciated <laughs> that body parts got cut off because that, yes. that always happens. Yes. And the thing is, in the Star Wars universe, it's not a bloody place because everything cauterizes. Yeah. So it's, it's efficient. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fine those are so, those are the things that i really really liked sixth brother or the gray creature depending on whose point of view you're you're reading through at the time mm-hmm. i was a little let down by him because he's just because he just was just done just died yeah, yeah. I, we call we call that kind of thing it's the same with darth maul actually the lurts of the piece so do you remember in Lord of the Rings the character Lurt, um, mm-hmm. the and how he's like upped as this big Urukai, you know, the lead of the Urukai army, sort of, so um, Saruman's Urukai army. Mm-hmm. He's going to get the hobbits mm-hmm. and kick ass, and then dies nope, in about two dead. seconds. Yeah, just immediately dead. Yeah. So we in our, in my house we call that being the Lurts of the piece. Oh, I like that. And sick, yeah, sick brother was Lurts. Yes. Because he's big up as this scary, intimidating creature. What is he? Oh my god, he's got force powers. I'm a dual wielding red lightsaber. <gasps> he's evil. He's going to go and hunt some prey. Grrr. And then he doesn't last five minutes. No. I mean, there's a fast and furious. There's a couple of pages of fighting that is summed up in the fighting was fast and furious yes um but doesn't really it's just 
a lot of bouncing around and force pushing and stuff. Yeah. And Ahsoka's like, bitch, give us your crystals. Right, that's all he's that's there for. That's my bling. That's all he's there for. Like, just <laughs> yeah. explode his lightsaber, burgle his crystals. Yes. And I, I did really like the fact that she's finally, like, Bill finally gets that explanation of why the lightsabers are always red for the bad guys, mm-hmm. for, the, for the Sith or the dark side. Mm-hmm. And it's because they've been corrupted and they've bled. Yes. And she's, you know, healed and brought balance back to the crystals of the yes. white. And her white lightsabers are beautiful. Yeah, but like nobody beautiful. else's are white. It's because no. she healed them. She's healed them, exactly. Now, I want to know whose crystals were they? If they've been burgled from the Jedi Temple and she feels their familiarity. I don't know. Then... To me, that's their crystal. Either both crystals belonged to somebody she knew, or two people that she knew. Yeah, but we don't know. But we don't know. We don't know because her original crystals were left on Rex's grave. 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 Yeah. So they're not hers. That that's the one thing I'm sure of. They're not her original crystals. No, I'm pretty sure if they had been hers. They would have been singing to her the whole time, and she would have yeah, known. She would have known about she it. Would she would have known. known. She would. And they wouldn't have said that they were from the like they were from the Jedi Temple because that's not where hers came right. from. So, we know that Anakin went and murdered everybody in the Jedi Temple, mm-hmm. including the kids. Yes, he murdered all of the children. <sighs> not for the first time, Anakin Skywalker murdered children. He did that to the sand people too, but that's fine. I'll still have sex with you, Padme. Do not have sex with the man who kills kids. It's bad. Right. Rant off for that time. Um, And so, who's of it? I want to know, but I don't think we'll ever know. And the other thing that I thought was like, ooh, um, was when the Grand Inquisitor at the end sends a message back to Lord Vader to say that evidence of another survivor. Who is this other survivor? Who? Who? Gets to know. I guess to know. And it may be answered in one of the other books, but I haven't read a lot of the Star Wars universe. Uh, Yeah, this is the first Star Wars book I've ever read. And honestly, if, if we're being honest here, I don't really care for these types of books that come out like after the movies and after the universe has been created, I don't I don't really care to read it because I like my first introduction mm-hmm. the movies that that's what I care about. So not that I didn't enjoy this book, but I don't I don't care. You don't need to be part of the expanded universe. I don't. I don't give and yeah, I, I'm quite enjoying it, and I know that Padme has got... I don't know if it's a trilogy. I think they might have done it as a trilogy. It might even be a kid Johnson. I do not know. It's gone out of my head. Um, But I wouldn't mind reading those stories, and that's because I don't feel like the character was given the justice in the movies. Better in Clone Wars. Padme in Clone Wars is much better. More assertive, actually does things, and doesn't move around waiting for Anakin yeah. all the time. So I'm quite interested, um, but there are other there's other stories within the expanded universe that I want to read. More the dark side, 
Yeah, I'm because that's I'm a little bit disappointed in us that we didn't pick something more evil to read. But maybe that's just me. I am I mean, I feel like this is definitely like a lead into would you rather. So maybe I'll just stop talking right now, but <laughs> <laughs> Well, we can finish up our discussion here. I will say as well, the other thing I enjoyed it was Bill Organa being in quite in so much. Yes, that's because... I loved all of those scenes with people that I already know. Yeah. Those were my favorites. Bill for me, I mean you you don't apart from Jimmy Smith being Bill Organa in the movies and even then it's not much. But you, my but mom you know used who to he watch Elia Law and she drooled over Jimmy Smith. Like I'm seriously. Not surprised. And it was really awkward. He's a... And you know, little Claire was like, Ew, ma'am, ew. He's a strapping but gentleman. He is a strapping gentleman and you know, good for you. Mrs. Organa, I can't remember what his mum's called. Um, but I liked his interactions. I liked finding out more about his part in the resistance. Yes. Because you don't know that. It's not a story that's told in the, the main in the like the can- canonical movies. So I I I appreciate um him being mentioned quite so much and being part of it. And it's a good setup you know, for him and why Leia is the way that she is. Because, yes. I mean, look at her dad. Her dad. And her mom's like the queen of a planet, so... Yeah. And then her biological mom was a queen and senator. And yeah. Let's not talk about her dad. No, but we do. Again, stop it. Wait for the would you rather. <laughs> Anywho. Who was your favourite character? Did you have any? Favorite character. Mine will forever be, no matter what you ask me. Who Don't say R two D two. That's cheating. <laughs> no, it's not. My favorite character will forever be R two D two. Favorite character in Phantom Mass. R two D two. Favorite character in New Hope. R two D two. I do always really enjoy the droids. In every movie, they're wonderful. Well, I like the theory that the Star Wars movies. Like the actual episodes, not solo or um, any of the like this old oh, the, the the cartoons. The the main movies are um, told from the perspective of the droids. <laughs> I like that theory. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know about that theory. I'll have to research it. Mm, but yes, I'm, I'm sticking with it. R two is my favorite. That's um, fine. He wasn't uh, in it very much. Get- he, he wasn't, but when he was in it, he was a little metal devil. <laughs> Can we play Would You Rather now? Is it time? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like our pew pew pews should be R2-D2 beeps this time. <laughs> nope. Beep beep. <laughs> We asked on social media, would you rather follow the path of the Jedi or go to the dark side where they have cookies? And on Facebook, 63% said dark side. On Instagram, it was 75% for the Jedi. Twitter was straight up 50-50. And on TikTok, it was 65% to the dark side. And we have lots of comments because people are passionate about this subject. Yes, yes, they are. 
Kath the Bat One, one of our lovely Patreon members on Instagram, said, Whatever team Ahsoka is on, I'm there. She's my ride or die for life. She follows the true way of the Jedi. Constance on Facebook said, Please, who do you think baked the cookies? <laughs> there was a massive conversation list on that there one as was. well, but you get, you're getting the prime content. Yes, definitely. Drew on Facebook said, Well, you know, I think red lightsabers are more fun. The cookies help. Annie on Facebook says, I truly can't resist cookies. You mentioned them, and I immediately had to go find some to eat. <laughs> Ginger snaps and tea. And I'm assuming if the dark side has cookies, they make an excellent pot of tea. Or maybe Constance make the cookies and I make the tea. And then Constance replies, I do make a killer ginger snap. Everybody really <laughs> needs to check out our, our Facebook page because we have some really stellar conversations there. Yes, it's in the book club group as Yes. Well. Brie on Facebook said, I will follow the path of the Jedi. Space wizards who don't have the self-destructive cynical tradition of training apprentices who inevitably kill their master, thus leading to their eventual extinction. But I will reform it so they can have cookies too, because they really need to learn how to chill. Maybe I'll get the witches of Dothmere to help. Colin on Facebook said, I shall remain with the light side of the force rather than jumping ship to the hate cookie emo side. Better choice of lightsaber blades as well. There was an entire conversation about cookies and emo hows. Yes, there was. Check out the Facebook book club group. (laughs) All the details. At Stealthy Zodiac on TikTok said, cookies. No, cookies. It doesn't matter. I want to be destructively powerful. But I also want to use it for good, either personal or moral. At D Jones seven four two on TikTok said cookies, duh. And then I said, what if there are no cookies? And then their response was, damn, yep. Because everyone expects the Sith to just take cookies. Jedi would probably frown on a Force user just taking cookies. You know, they probably, probably. would. They probably would. They're judgmental about the cookies. They really are. Jedi are judgy. Judgy Jedi. And Amanda's lively. (laughs) We didn't have as many comments as I was expecting there to be this time. I'm very shocked. You you should express your displeasure with a red lightsaber and, you know, just wear dark clothes and a a hood, walk in there with a red lightsaber and then just start smacking everybody. And then if they're wondering what you're doing, just scream like you're cosplaying Anakin Skywalker (laughs) so the first comment we have from the library is Jedi you never know who you'll be killed off by a pissed off Vader or Emperor can I read my favourite comment yes dark side more fashionable and they wear my favourite colour black come to the dark side we're chic And the last comment from the library is Jedi, like Yoda, you can be. Oh. Ah. Ah. Clearly am I I am on the dark side. Clearly. This is not even a question. <laughs> Evil villain always. I love Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> what about you? He's a freaking child killer. Don't he care. kills innocent people. 
His way of looking evil is to look over his eyebrows. Next time you watch the movies, look at Hayden Christensen. The, the way he does bad guy is just looks through his eyebrows. Look, Hayden Christensen is one of the worst actors in the entire world. <laughs> but I love him. I can't help it. I think everyone knows how I feel about things that are terrible. I love them. So... <laughs> Hang on, hang on. Are you going to tell me that you enjoy in The Phantom Menace when little Annie goes, woohoo? No, no. I fucking hate child Anakin. It's terrible. <laughs> Let him grow up a little bit. Give him his little ponytails, his little braids. Oh, God, I hate the powder when the ponytails. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. It is so bad. It's like, why? Why? This is why people go to the dark side. Because it's chic. Yeah. They don't do sh- like you can cut off your little ponytails. And like, oh, look. Honestly. Do you think they keep it? No, I hope not. I think they keep mm, it as well. No, gross. With special box. No, it's terrible. But can I just say that... It's archived in the Jedi Temple Library. <sighs> That's awful. Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader are two different people. I mean, I know, obviously, yes, they're two different people. Like, physically, the actors that play them are different people. But, like, they don't they don't match up. <laughs> and you know why? Do you know, Do you know why that is? Because Hayden Christensen is one of the most terrible actors on the planet. It's it's <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. But I don't care because I love him. So shut up, everyone. It, it's, it's it's in episode three when after you know he gets his arm and, and his legs chopped off by Obi Wan and. You know, we get set on fire by the lava. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Obi-Wan's like, you were like a brother to me. And then wanders off. And you're like, no, no, don't wander off. Make sure that you've completed the job. Oh, Obi-Wan. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And then he gets picked up and, and he's like, it's like, yeah, that, that's gonna, that, that, that is going to sting. You yeah. need some cream. Yeah, you do. Um, And then suddenly, you know, Darth Vader emerges and it lights up and it goes, and then, yes. it's James L. Jones's voice. It's like, nah, no, nah. There's no way that voice can come out of Hayden Christensen. No, never. And I don't care that he's in the Darth Darth Vader suit, so it's going to be voice modulated. No. no, no. Anyway, I am not going to go to the dark side. I'm going to go to the light side, but I'm going to make better choices. I'm not going to be a Jedi. Mm. I will pick the light side of the Force, but I will not be a Jedi because. I don't understand the whole Jedi thing about not having attachments and, you know, not let... I understand don't let emotions rule you, but emotions are very powerful. They are. And if you have attachments, if you have friends and family, that's a reason to fight. Yeah. And, you know, the the dark side, take it too far. Plus, you know, the whole there's only ever a master and apprentice and then they just, you know, just kill each other off. Yeah. And... <sighs> that that's that that's old. Like, come on, get a new shtick. But also, if you look at Luke Skywalker, when he like embraces the force and starts calling himself a Jedi, mm-hmm. he wears black all the time as well. It's true, he does. But I'm pretty sure I read that he wears black because he gained weight in between filming the movies and black what? hid his figure. Well, you know, as a larger statured person, 
I'm almost spherical. I will take the black as well. I will accessorize with other colors, and the other colors will be the lightsaber. Nice. Good. Better colors. I don't want a red lightsaber. Mm. I don't know what color lightsaber I want, but yeah, I don't want a red one. I mean, if I... Obviously, like, I would probably pick green or purple because those are my favorite colors, but... You know, if I if I have to have a red one, it's okay. Because I'm evil. And I've made my crystals bleed. <laughs> anyway, next question. Would you rather live on Raeda or Thabesca? Raeda sounds hard. For all the fact it's a more lush planet. Yeah, at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> moon. Maybe the planet's right, moon. Right, it's a moon. It sounds harder. I think I would probably pick the Beska. I'm going to go with the Beska because I think there's more variety. Yeah. And, you know... There's more I- to do. Yes. There's like the fields to work in all day and then the cantina on a night time and that's it. Yeah. There's Riada. there's not a whole lot going on on Raida. Yeah, so I think the Beska is the better option. Yeah, I agree. Even if it is a dry, sunny, backwater, Tatooine-style planet. Yeah, but still, there's more going on. It's not just a yes. tiny moon. Yes. Yeah, I'm, g- I'm going to join you on the Beska. Cool. Would you rather fight one Sith or a hundred stormtroopers? The stormtroopers can't hit anything, so I'm fighting the stormtroopers. <laughs> it, this is this is Star Wars canon. They they are the worst. So I'm picking the stormtroopers because I will not be injured at all. <laughs> from two foot away from them. No. <laughs> I think that do you think that's how the people can tell the difference between a clone trooper? And like a recruited indentured stormtrooper. Because if you're a clone trooper, you can hit. If you are an indentured stormtrooper, you can't hit the toffee. So it's not the voices. Because they never take the helmets off. Yeah. It's not the voices that you can tell. It's their targeting ability. Yeah, it's the fact that they're not terrible shots. Yes. Yes. I too am going to fight 100 stormtroopers because one Sith would just force choke the shit out of me. Yeah. And that would be me. Yes. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. Look, look at Chewie's eyes. You know what? You force choke if I could, want to force choke him? If I could force choke somebody, I would do it. Oh, well, without a doubt. <laughs> if I had force powers... I'd be using it to press the button on the remote control, even if it was, like, half a foot away from me. Yeah, I just... All over the place. Oh, I would learn how to make a cup of tea from sitting on the sofa. Yeah. But I would also use mine for evil. Because, of course, I would. Because I'm a villain. Yes. This is why I like Rhea. She can use force lightning. And traditionally, a Jedi can't. Or doesn't. (sighs) Look, we don't need because she's more gray. Look, we don't need to start talking about Ray because the whole I think everyone in the entire universe can agree that the whole of that trilogy would have been better if she had turned bad. 
if she had I been agree. evil, yes, it would have been. It would have been so good. That's that is an episode in of itself. It really is. Was right, and we'd have to have Brian on that conversation. We definitely as well. would. We definitely would have to have her. Yeah. All right. Next question. Would you rather have a single lightsaber, a double-edged lightsaber, or two lightsabers? A single lightsaber. Really? Yes. Why? Because if I have a double-edged lightsaber or two lightsabers, I'm taking my own armor. <laughs> but, that's, double-edged one, but that's what you're supposed to do in Star Wars. You're supposed to lose an appendage. I no, I don't want to be the one that loses the limb. <laughs> I want the other person to lose the limb. If I've got a double-edged lightsaber, I'm I'm losing my leg, my head. Something's <laughs> going to fall off and damage done. So probably a single... Book two looks so cool. Yeah. No, I'm going to go two. Screw it, I'm going to go two. Because, you know, I've, I've got my hands, both of them in there. There's a good chance I'll keep them further apart. Or no. Right, because, I mean, you don't want to hit them together. So you got to keep your arms apart. Oh, you want to hit them together just for the get the sound. You know, this isn't Ghostbusters where you're not, you're supposed, not supposed to cross, to cross the, streams. the streams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I just really wanted to put my arms out here, which you can only see if you join our Patreon bonus tier, but... That would be cool. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm going double-edged lightsaber. I like the idea of fighting with a bow staff, and that's essentially what it is. Although, typically, like, if I'm playing video games with weapons, I typically choose dual-wielded blades mm. because they're faster than, like, a longsword. You know, you got to use two mm. hands. But um, but I just like I like the double edged lightsaber. I do. I like it. I like. What color would yours be then? Uh, I mean, yeah, I I feel like I don't have a choice. It has to be red. But I like the idea of spinning it in an obnoxious circle. That's just a little too showy. <laughs> I enjoyed I enjoyed that part. <laughs> I enjoyed that scene. <laughs> but I mean, I feel like it would have to be red. I don't have a choice. Mm. If I had to pick, though, I'd. Pro- if the bleed wasn't an issue, I don't know. You answer first. Do you know what I really like? In the Mandalorian, the the, the blade that he has, which is essentially a lightsaber blade, mm-hmm. and it's black. That is nice. It's a sexy beast. Yeah. If I could, I would have that. You know, I think I might go Mace Windu and do purple. I love the purple. I love a purple. I love the purple. And also, I mean, it's Samuel Jackson. I do love the purple lightsaber. Yeah. That's the dream. Yeah. Purple or white? Now I've seen the Sorkers white ones, though. I'm like, ooh. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Nice. Last question. Okay. Would you rather be part of the resistance with Bale or Fardy? Bale. Without doubt. Without question. I fa- I kind of found the Fardy family annoying. There were too many of them. It was too much. Too many children. That was confusing. It was way too many children. Like, <laughs> I mean, they 
talked about it in the book, like nobody can tell us apart. Nobody like and the children laugh when Ahsoka doesn't remember which one is which. But that's just annoying. I mean, that's intentional. It is. It's, it's, it's it is. So it is. It is. It is. But there were too many of them. Yeah. So I'm going to hang out with Bale. I'm going to break into yeah. Bale's office. Bale's more organized. He he. Well, I mean, his name is Organa. Oh. He has to be organized. True. Wah, true. Wah, sorry. Not gonna, pun. Not going to be based bad. on Alderaan. No. For starters. Okay. At least for 15 years. I can I can go there for 15 years, but after that, I'm going to make sure I'm still based somewhere else. Um, but the thing, for, the, the dude, the, the part of the resistance in two different fronts, though, because the Fardis are ground level. They're trying to get food and supplies and help ground level to people. Yeah. Whereas Bill is more trying to. I mean, he's, he's trying to do that. But he's bigger picture. But, yes, he's longer term. Yeah. Fardy's more immediate help, but I think Bill's more long term. Yeah, and we need to get rid of the Emperor. Yeah, and I like to play a long game, so. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Yeah, I think there's probably more things you can do that would kind of like um, be good for your skill sets yeah. as well. Yeah, more scope for promotion and uh, personal development. Real CV bolsters. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's the only reason why. So it'll look good on your resume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Favorite final thought quote? What do you got? Uh, got a couple. Okay. What do you got? This one because it's far too real. I relate so hard to this one. Okay. And it's uh, it's actually an Obi-Wan Kenobi quote. <laughs> he stood up, his knees creaking in a rather alarming fashion. Surely it wasn't that old yet. <laughs> I really had hard. That's a good one. That's a good one. Hard. <laughs> what else? What else do you have? Her authority was gone. Her power remained. Oh, just yeah. I like that one. I think that one's very Ahsoka. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Yep. Any others? I'm going to have to go with an R2-D2 one as well. One of the problems with spending a lot of time with an astromech droid was that one tended to continue talking to it even when it was no longer there to talk to. Because, <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't do that? You, you, you'll do it with your cats. Yes. You do it with people. Yes. I do it with my PG chip, chip, tips chimp. You do it with a monkey butler? He's my monkey butler. <laughs> and a Chewbacca. Okay. <laughs> okay. What have you got? Wow. I really... I didn't expect this one to tie into our Would You Rather game so much, but uh, she almost admired Palpatine for his ability to pull off a long-term plan. Except for his being evil and all. He's not a lovable asshole either. He's he not, is point he's blank evil. He's worst. He's a jerk. <laughs> Espionage with Anakin Skywalker always ended with explosions, and Ahsoka had no intention of going that far. <laughs> and then finally, I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating against everyone. <laughs> 
that's not included in this book. I'm sorry, but I had to pull it up because of my love for Anakin Skywalker in the sand court. Sorry. I'm sorry. That did not happen in this book. I wish I could have kept a straight face, but I but I couldn't because I just imagined it happening and it was so bad. Oh. Damn. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Hayden Christensen. Oh, you're not. Sorry, not sorry. <sighs> sorry, Hayden Christensen. All right. If you liked this, try this. What's our favorite thing, Amanda? Tenuous links. And vampires. Oh, vampires. Oh, okay. Sorry. Vampires. Sorry. I'm sorry. And what does Star Wars not seem to have? Are there vampires, vampires at all? Hard to say. Yes, it's called Red Harvest, Star Wars Legends book. So it's it's by Joe um, Schreiber. I don't know if it's canonical anymore because I think it might have been before they did like a, a reboot in the book series. Okay. But essentially, it's Star Wars with vampires. Oh, okay, nice. The era of the Old Republic is dark and dangerous times. Jedi Knights valiantly battle the Sith Lords and their ruthless armies. But the Sith have disturbing plans, and none more so than the fulfilment of Darth Scabrous's fanatical dream, which is about to become nightmarish reality. Ooh. Unlike those other Jedi sidelined to the agricultural court, young Jedi, whose abilities have not proved up the snuff, Hetzio Trace possesses one extraordinary force talent, a gift with plants. Suddenly, her quiet existence among greenhouse and garden specimens is violently destroyed by the arrival of an emissary from Darth Scabrous. For the rare black orchid that she has nurtured and bonded with is the final ingredient in an ancient Sith formula that promises to grant Darth Scabrous his greatest desire. But at the heart of the formula is a never-before-seen virus that's worse than fatal. Mm. It doesn't just kill, it transforms. Mm. Now the rotting, ravenous dead are rising. Driven by a bloodthirsty hunger for all things living and commanded by a Sith master with an insatiable lust for power and the ultimate prize, immortality. Ooh, nice. Which I'm kind of wishing we covered that this one. I know. This month. Because it hits a lot of our marks. It really does. Yeah. But we've gone for girl power instead. That's also fine. But I'm just really <laughs> surprised that, especially this one. I'm sorry that I didn't catch you asking what our favorite thing was. Because in my head, I was just thinking, well, whenever we do, I mean, it's, it's tenuous yeah, link. It would be hashtag so. tenuous link, but it's a Star Wars book. So right. It's so hashtag it's hashtag right on the Hashtag very, very obvious. Yeah. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. Essentially, it's Star, Star Wars, with, Wars vampires. with vampires, and I'm really upset that we didn't read it. I wonder if it has an audiobook, and I wonder if the audiobook is very cinematic. Probably not if it was in the before times. I don't know. I mean, anyway, possibly. Um, anyway, what have you got? I was interested, if, since the uh, background information having read that quote from Cecil Castellucci. So I picked Moving Target, a Princess Leia adventure. Reeling from their disastrous defeat on Hoth, the heroic freedom fighters of the Rebel Alliance have scattered throughout space, pursued by the agents of the sinister Galactic Empire. 
One rebel task force protects Princess Leia, burying her in secrecy from star to star. As the last survivor of Alderaan's House of Organa, Leia is a symbol of freedom, hunted by the empire she has opposed for so long. The struggle against imperial tyranny has claimed many rebel lives. As the empire closes in, Leia resolves to make a sacrifice of her own, lest the cause of freedom be extinguished from the galaxy. You can't go wrong with Leia. Even if I do always choose the dark side in every way, shape, or form, I mean, you can't not love Orca. You You can't, can't. You can't not love Leia. Because Carrie Fisher will come back and bitch slap. She will. She was a legend. R.I.P. Carrie Fisher. Yeah. I miss. I. I. I don't know Carrie Fisher, but I miss Carrie Fisher. It's one of those celebrities where you you miss their presence. Yeah. And Red Harvest does have an audio book. Read by John Glover. Okay, well, I wonder if it's cinematic. I'll have to borrow it and check it out. Tempted to press sample, but I'm not going to. Anywho, do we have an indie spotlight this week? Yes. Unfortunately, it is not Star Wars themed. Sorry. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of indie Star Wars out there. I feel like that's against the law. Um, so, However, George Lucas gave Star Wars rights to pretty much absolutely everybody. So... Yeah. Family guy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. So I just chose another that's you know kind of tenuous ish. It just sounded good. I don't know. Um. It's called Wounded Little Gods by Eliza Victoria. Regina was born and raised in the small town of Herodos, where gods and spirits walked the earth. Until they didn't. Ten years ago, the town's harvest failed utterly, and the people, believing the gods had abandoned them, left their farms and moved on. See, you know, it's a ruined farm. There's your tenuous link. Ah. Now, on a Friday before a long weekend, Regina ends her workday at an office in Makati and walks home with a new colleague, Diana. Following a strange and disturbing conversation between them, Diana does not show up at work on Monday. Or Tuesday. Or Wednesday. On Thursday, Regina finds a folded piece of paper in her bag. In Diana's handwriting are two names and a strange map that will send Regina back to her hometown. Here, in her quest to find Diana, she encounters rumors of genetic experiments, stumbles upon a strange facility that no one seems to know about, finds herself in places that don't exist, and discovers that people are not who they seem to be. And the biggest question in the bizarre chain of events is not what or how, but why. As Regina struggles to unwind the knots surrounding the mystery of this facility and the people connected to it, she discovers that she is more intertwined in the strange events in her hometown than she ever knew. Ooh. Ooh. Sounds interesting. It does. It does sound very interesting. Okay. Is that it? I think so. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. And may the force be with you. <laughs> Join us next time as we discuss Omen's Bite by PC Cast and Kristen Cast. Yee! <laughs>
<laughs> Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. You can find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you'd like this episode, check out our others and rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.